Welcome, everyone. So good to have all of you at all of our churches today, Bluntstown, Chipley, and Mariana. Can you believe we're in the final week of a series that is making all of us uncomfortable in a very good way? Because what it's doing is it's leading us to discover what it really means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And it's helping us to better live out to be, know what it means to be for the people in our communities, in our nation, and in our world. So I just want to thank you for joining us for this four-week series of conversations. Now, as you know, this is July the 4th weekend, which is a reminder that we are to be for each other, and that is a good thing. But over the past few years, this holiday has brought all this political tension into the spotlight, and that's not so good. Because when we focus too much on political tensions and opinions and sides, what happens is sometimes we lose sight of what side Jesus, our leader and king, told us to choose. Now, this is why those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, we need to take seriously this question that we've been asking for the past few weeks. And this is the question. Are you willing to evaluate your politics through the filter of our faith instead of creating a version of faith that supports your politics? Now, as we've said over the past few weeks, this is so hard to do, but it is needed now as much as ever. So today, what we want to do is talk about what in our current cultural climate has caused us to lose sight of what Jesus really taught and what we as the church can do to make the division and the polarization go away. Now, there are three unique dynamics that have really just kind of merged together to create the perfect storm to create confusion in the church. Now, the first dynamic is everything is politicized. I didn't need to tell you that, did I? I mean, everything is politicized. Nothing and no one is seen as neutral. The second dynamic is the cancel culture. I mean, th this has always been around, but it's growing much, much stronger in this season. In fact, cancel culture is the mindset that if I disagree with you on one thing, then that discounts everything that you ever said or ever done, no matter how helpful or good that it may have been. But it's this third dynamic that really undermines the testimony and the credibility of the gospel and the church. And it goes by a few different names, but it's probably most commonly known as culture war Christianity. Now, culture war Christianity is a version of Christianity that I am very, very familiar with because I grew up surrounded by culture war Christianity. And I work very hard to help us avoid this as a church because it is a perversion of what Jesus introduced to the world. It literally is a perversion of the gospel. See, culture war Christianity is obsessed at winning at all costs. It believes it's always under attack from the government or secularism or liberalism, and it feels justified to fight back. So culture war Christianity is defined by what it's against, and it's fueled by this fear of losing something. They're, they're trying to take our freedom to meet, or they're trying to take our freedom to believe what we believe, or they're trying to keep us from speaking up, so we're going to fight back. See, culture war Christianity is always more obsessed with winning than loving. And here is one of the biggest problems that it creates. It sets up the church 
to be a tool of politicians rather than the conscience of the nation. And I'm telling you folks, this is a serious problem. And here's why. Because Jesus never intended for his church to be aligned with a political party or a politician. Jesus never intended his church to be the tool of politicians. He meant it to be the conscience of the nations. See, we should be the conscience of our nation because of the values that we teach and the values that we model. Values like unconditional love, respect, and dignity for all humans, care for the poor, the marginalized, and the dignity of all human life. In fact, as we've said for the past few weeks, Jesus, he was the king who came to reverse the order of things. Jesus came to completely replace what was in place. So if we want to change the world, we have to think and we have to act like Jesus did. This means that we cannot be first and foremost party people. We must be Jesus-minded kingdom people. Now, to illustrate what this looks back looks like, let me take you back to 112 AD where the emperor Trajan, he ruled the powerful Roman empire. Now, the empire at this point in time, has experienced a series of setbacks, so which in their minds clearly meant to them that their gods weren't happy with them. So the emperor Trajan, he needed someone to blame. So who better to pin all the problems on than the Christians throughout the empire who said that Jesus was their king and they absolutely refused to recognize Caesar as their king. So Trajan comes along and he issues this order to all the governors that they are to arrest and imprison any Christians in their communities. And that order, what it did, it prompted a letter to Emperor Trajan from his relative Pliny the Younger. Now Pliny the Younger was the governor of what is now modern day Turkey. This is part of what Pliny wrote. He said, the sum and substance of the Christian's fault or era has been that they were accustomed to meet on a fixed day before dawn and sing responsibly a hymn to Christ as to a God. Literally, he goes, there's no scheming to overthrow a government. There's no planning to revolt and cause problems. No, no trying to change the system and replace the emperor. No, Pliny says, no scheming, just singing. And then he goes on. And to bind themselves by oath. Don't miss this. This is so powerful. And to bind themselves by oath. Not to some crime, but not to commit fraud, theft, or adultery. Not to falsify their trust, nor refuse to return a trust when called upon to do so. And, and when you read this, you almost have to laugh, don't you? It doesn't sound like a very dangerous bunch of people. I mean, Pliny is thinking, I thought these people were supposed to be the problem, but I've discovered they're like the best citizens in my providence. But the Emperor Trajan, I mean, he's convinced that they should be arrested. So Pliny was convinced, I gotta be missing something that the Emperor's seeing. So still confused, he says this, I've never participated in trials of Christians. Uh, I therefore do not know what offense it is the practice to punish or investigate and to what extent. Literally, 
I'm just not sure what I'm supposed to be looking for. I can't find anything that these Christians are doing that deserves punishment, much less execution. So apparently, these early followers of Jesus, they were actually following Jesus and they were loving everyone and their conduct was winning the respect of non-Jesus followers throughout their community, even this governor named Pliny the Younger. In fact, Pliny, he wraps this up. He says, I therefore postpone the investigation and hasten to consult you, for the matter seems to me to warrant consulting you, especially because of the number involved. For many persons of every age, every rank, and also of both sexes are and will be endangered. For the contagion of this superstition has spread not only to the cities, but also to the villages and the farm. So from the point of this Roman governor, Christianity, it was contagious. That The movement was growing fast, but it was not appealing because of its political stance. It was, it was appealing because of their character, because of their oath to their morality, their work ethic, their kindness, their compassion, because they loved people the way that Jesus had loved them. Now, I just want you to imagine, imagine if that were how people in America, imagine if that's how political leaders in America viewed Christians today. Imagine what would happen if we demonstrated what it looks like to love one another unconditionally in this bite and devour one another kind of culture in which we live. I mean, after all, this is what Jesus called us to do, to love one another unconditionally. Even he called us to love our enemies, people that we disagree with, people on the different side of the, of the opinion than we are. In fact, Jesus, as we said, he never intended for us to use politics to further his agenda or advance his kingdom. His agenda was to shine like a light in a hopeless and dark world through the way that we live and the way that we love. In fact, here's how Jesus described this in his sermon that's recorded for us in Matthew chapter five. If you wanna follow along, we'll be in Matthew chapter five, beginning in verse 14. Here's what he says. You, you meaning me, you, everybody who calls themselves a follower of Jesus. He says, you are the light of the world. The implication of this statement is the world is dark. The world is trying to figure out a better way to live, but they can't find their way on their own because it is so, so dark. And so Jesus is saying, listen, I've put you here to be the light. I've put you here not to judge people who are lost, but to show people by being the light how to live. In fact, notice how Jesus says this should look. He says, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light or neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. And you know what? That's what these earlier followers of Jesus did. They just let their light shine. And maybe, just maybe, we should follow their example. Maybe we should think about gathering every week 
And not just showing up to have someone serve us, but we should gather every week as a commitment to recommit ourselves to following our king and loving one another the way that he loved us. Maybe we should be people who live in such a way that outsiders can't help but respect us because of the way that we're kind and the way that we're loving to everyone. Maybe we should be known for loving people more than we're known for our political positions because we are called to let our light shine before others. We're called to live in such a way that people see our good deeds and if people see that, then they are drawn to our Father in heaven. Listen, don't miss this. You can't hide unconditional love. Let me say that one more time. You can't hide unconditional love. You can't hide people who take an oath each week to be honest and moral and loving and kind. You can't hide that. But do you know what hides our light? Arguing and grumbling and criticizing and complaining about and with our neighbors, criticizing and demonizing people on social media, most of whom we've never ever seen, met, or even talked to. We don't know their heart. We don't know their story. Listen, fighting with one another over political opinions and conspiracy theories galore, it does not shine our light. It hides our light. Canceling individuals and entire groups of people because they were wrong about something or they said something that we disagree with. Man, that doesn't shine our light. That hides our light. Truth is, too many times over the past few years, we have put our light under a bowl and we've hit it at times when people desperately desperately needed to see the light. So if we want people who are lost in our world to find their way, we have to shine the light. What that means, if we want a different reputation as followers of Jesus, if we want a better America, America that is following Jesus, we have to remember what we talked about last week when we said we are called to live at a higher level of freedom, to recognize a higher level of freedom. See, as we said last week, we have a higher freedom than American freedom. American freedom is a freedom from But the higher level of freedom through Jesus' redeeming work on the cross that we all have available to us is a freedom that is for others. As we said last week, you are free in Christ. So now as the Apostle Paul said, you use your freedom to put someone else before yourself. You're free in Christ, but your freedom, it's not for your benefit. You're set free for the benefit of the people that are around you. So if your theology or if your doctrine justifies you mistreating people in any kind of way, you have a false theology or doctrine. And when we say mistreating people anyway, by what you say, by what you write, how you act and you react. See, Christian freedom is a freedom for the benefit of someone else. Here's the truth, folks. If we want the gospel message to have credibility, we have to fill our world with light because you, I am the light of the world. So how do you and I, how do we fill the world with light? Let me just tell you, by your every action and even greater, by your every reaction, you let your light shine or you hide it. I'm just telling you folks, This is a very uncomfortable truth for all of us because you know what it does? 
It points the problem and the solution back in our direction. It points the problem and the solution back to us personally. And here's where the tension lies for most of us. Most every one of us, we would categorize ourselves as a loving and a caring person. But everybody else, we say, oh, they're not so loving and caring. But we see ourselves as loving and caring because when we see someone that we care about being treated unkindly or maybe someone we don't even know about, but we see them being treated unkindly, it makes us feel anger or sadness or even pity. And we feel like, well, now I have compassion. And because we have those emotions, we, we place ourselves in the category of kind and therefore we don't see ourselves hiding the light. But here's what you have to understand. Feelings are invisible. We only see them when they are expressed through our actions or our reactions. See, Jesus he saw people treated unkindly and he felt anger and sadness and pity. But those emotions, they drove him to take actions so much so that he ultimately gave up his life for those people that he had compassion and empathy for. That would be all of us. Please hear me. Jesus is saying to all of us, what gives your life credibility is that you love others the way that he loved us. That is the only way that you will ever let your life shine, for you to love everyone the way Jesus loved us. That's why we as a church, we don't take party lines as a church. And it's why I don't even share my political opinions, because sharing my political opinions would be polarizing and they would hide the light. And I know that can be frustrating to people at times that I don't wade into these debates and state my belief on every issue out there. And it may frustrate some of you. In fact, I've heard some of you say that. Why won't he just say what he believes? Why won't he take a stand on some of these political issues? But let me remind you, when people ask for my view, they're not just asking for my view. They're also asking for our view. Because they assume that my view represents all of your views. And you know what? You don't have a problem with that unless my stand isn't quite exactly as your stand. And at that point, you just prefer that I keep my mouth shut. You prefer I let my light shine with my good deeds by the way that I love everyone rather than stating my position. And you're right, because if I am known for my position on issues that aren't central to following Jesus, that are not salvific in nature, guess what it does? It hurts our ability to fulfill our mission as a church to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Whenever I take a position on non-central issues to the gospel, I am unnecessarily alienating half of our community who view the issue differently. Why would I do that? Why, why would you do that? See, anytime you filter your faith through politics and you become known for your political position, then you have just alienated half of the people in our community who you say that you care about, who need Jesus, and you say you want to reach them for Jesus. As I told you in week two, we will never win anybody to Jesus who sees us as their enemy or their foe. We only win our friends to Jesus. So based upon our king and our savior's mandate, we have intentionally chosen not to be a political church. We cannot be a democratic church. We cannot be a Republican church because we're not trying to win the game they're playing. We are simply a church 
of kingdom-minded Jesus followers who really absolutely believe that the message of Jesus truly is the hope of the world. Because here's what I know. When you put Jesus and his kingdom over politics, you can stand in the middle and you can influence both sides from a position of love. See, that's why Jesus tells us in this world, we need to stay focused. It's why he said, hey, let your light shine before men. Now, to see how focused our church is on being the light and what kind of light that we're shining our communities, what we did is we pulled up a bunch of um, you on Facebook and TikTok and Instagram to look at your comments over the last three or four weeks. Oh my, oh my. Um, even though I'm not on social media, other people show me this kind of stuff. And man, we found some very interesting stuff. So what we did is we took some screenshots and we thought we would show you guys what kind of light you have been shining by your political comments and your reactions. Because you know, it's one thing to post this stuff on social media when you are invincible behind a keyboard. It's another thing to post it on a screen for all the world to see in the presence of Jesus and all the people who call themselves followers of Jesus. So here are some of your comments and some of your reactions. Here are some of the posts. So you ready for this, Blountstown? You ready for this, Chipley? Everybody, Mariana, you, you all ready for this? I mean, because this, this is gonna be, you ready? I'm just kidding. We're not going to do this. But here's my question. What if we did? What, what kind of light are you shining? And for some of us, there were some things that got posted over these last few weeks, months, that we really need to look at Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I created division in the church and I created more polarization. I'm sorry that I did not endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of love. Listen, through our every action and reaction, we either shine our light or we hide our light. Again, this is a very uncomfortable truth for all of us. You know why? Because it points the problem and the solution right back in our direction. See, we are the problem and we can be the solution. But if we're not real intentional, our tendency will be to ignore this truth. Because see, it's not comfortable to realize that we are the problem and that we are the solution to the lack of light in a really dark world. I mean, it would be so much easier for us to continue to say, well, our country is just so secular. Our country is just going to hell in a handbasket. These people are not open to the gospel anymore. I mean, it would be so much easier to blame the world for not being open to the gospel than to let our light shine, to hold ourselves accountable to being a light in a very dark world. It would be so much easier to say, the other people in our church are the problem. These people in our neighborhood, the problem. But know this, when we say the other people in our church are the problem or the people in the church are the problem, know this, we, 
we make up the church. So criticizing and complaining or even distancing yourself from the church because you don't think you're part of the problem or part of the solution is so naive. In fact, as I heard one person say, if your hand slaps someone, they don't blame your hand, they blame your body. The same is true for the church. That is why unity is so important in the body of Christ, the church, because together we are the body of Christ. Together we make up the church and whatever one of us individually does, it represents the whole body to the world. And to think that somehow we are so sanctified that we are not contributing to the problem is either so much pride or so naive. Because I'm telling you folks, it is easier to see ourselves as the exception in life and point our finger at all of the other people than to look honestly at ourselves. So the challenge for you and the challenge for me is that every day we're going to be in situations where we have to choose to let our light shine by the way we love others that are different from us or to hide our light. And most of those situations, I'm telling you, most of those situations, they're not going to be so obvious that we can prepare for them. Your reaction in those moments is going to determine if we shine our light or if you hide your light. So what can we do in a practical way that will help us to shine our light instead of hiding our lights? There's a question that I learned some years ago that really has helped make this truth really practical for me. And I think it will for you if you ask it of yourself every time that you're about to react. And it's gonna help you choose a very practical way to shine your light by living out the command to love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the question that you need to ask yourself. It's a real simple question, and that is this. What can I do to help this situation right now? Not do I think they are right, or not do I think they're doing right, or not whether I agree with them or not, but what can I do to help this situation right now in a positive way? Literally, what would Jesus' love look like in this situation? Listen, this is not about whether a person deserves it or whether I feel like it. This is about the uncomfortable truth that I am part of the problem of a lack of light in a dark world and I can be part of the solution as well. So let's be united around a purpose bigger than ourselves and that is reaching a lost world for Jesus because the reality is people are only going to change when their hearts are changed by the redemptive love and grace and forgiveness of Jesus. That's why our passion for reaching a lost world should be so much greater than our passion for politics. So let's not act like our political party or politicians are in any way our savior. Instead, let's disagree politically, love unconditionally, and pray passionately for unity so that the world may know who Jesus is and how much he loves them because we cannot be first and foremost party people. We must be kingdom of Jesus, Jesus. Jesus-minded kingdom people, because when you put Jesus and his kingdom over politics, you can stand in the middle and you can influence both sides from love. And let me just say, to do this 
as followers of Jesus, it is going to require the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And many of you, you're going to have to lean in and, and quit grieving and quenching the Spirit by how you react to every situation. Instead, you're going to have to open up your life to be open to the fruit of the Spirit flowing through you and saying, God, I'm just completely open. It's not about me, and I'm not in it to win it. I, I'm here to be light in this world. So this week, we want to challenge you to allow the Holy Spirit to grab hold of your heart with this truth that difference is inevitable, but division is my choice. Allow the Holy Spirit to go to work on your heart in this area so that you will not only have the desire, but you will also have the commitment to love, love, love those that you disagree with or that are different than you. And I'm just telling you folks, the application couldn't be simpler, but it's not necessarily easy, but it's simply this. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. Pick someone, anyone that is around you that doesn't believe or behave like you and serve and love that somebody in the name of Jesus and in the power of his spirit. And because Jesus' words are true, I mean, I just believe with all my heart that Jesus' words are true, that the gospel is the hope of the world. And I believe if we live this out as a church, the gospel will absolutely become irresistible again. So if you wanna see America change towards something better, this is how we do it. We let our light shine. We follow the instruction of Jesus and the example of these early followers of Jesus. Let's show America God's love. Let's gather every Sunday and make an oath that we're going to be model citizens, that we're going to be model employers and employees, that we're going to be faithful men and women who love Love from the core of our being because of the love that our Heavenly Father has given to us. Folks, let's not be part of the spite and devour culture anymore. Every Sunday when we come together needs to be a time when we gather to say we are making an oath to love as Jesus loved. And when we make that oath, we're choosing a different side, a much better side than a Republican party or a Democratic party can provide. We're choosing to be part of a side that shows people what love one another looks like, what loving your enemy, what a loving your enemy culture within the body of Christ looks like. Let's choose unity as our priority and let's let our light shine so that people see our good deeds and ultimately they glorify our Father in heaven. I mean, after all, folks, I mean, this is what Jesus died for us to experience, not a freedom from that's in it to win it, but a freedom that is for, where we will lose everything. We will lay down our very lives in order to win people to Jesus. Folks, I just pray as your pastor, these last four weeks, that the Holy Spirit has got a hold of your heart, the way that God has got a hold of my heart, and that we truly will say, let's go be the light of the world. And every time we see the world is dark, every time we're experiencing the darkness of the world, that we will go look in the mirror and remind ourselves 
I am a kingdom-minded Jesus follower. Therefore, I am the problem, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can be the solution because Jesus' light can shine through me as I love my neighbor as myself, as I love my enemy, as I love everyone as Jesus loved. Let me pray for us. God, my heart, it absolutely breaks for a world that is so lost in darkness that they can't see their way. But at the same time, my heart is so passionate that we as followers of Christ, we quit being individualists or seeing ourselves as individualists, that we as followers of Christ will quit trying to be narcissistic Jesus followers, but we see ourselves as a body And that the unity that we have together, it absolutely is going to be the determining factor of whether the light comes on in our world or whether the switch stays off. God, I pray that you help us every day this week when we wake up, that we look in that mirror and we realize, oh, the world's dark, but I can be part of the solution. So Jesus Help us today. Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence so I can live out love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and meekness and self-control in every reaction I have. Holy Spirit, we need your help. We can only be light when we love as you've called us to love. And that is difficult. So I just ask, God, start with me. Start with our church. God, remind us every day. To ask ourselves the question, what can I do in this situation to help? What does love look like in this situation? And then God, when we gather next week, may we gather as a reminder that we are making a commitment, that we're taking an oath together to say we, we're gonna love. We're gonna be people who absolutely love as Jesus loved us. So we need your help, but we're committed to it because we are a church that is for others. Thank you for the light that's coming on in our communities. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, everyone, um, thanks so much for going on this journey. Um, I'm just convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt, if we live this out, we absolutely can begin to change our world. So, hey, if you want to learn how you can be a better part of the body of Christ around this place, um, and experience this kind of unity, make sure that you attend Engage next week. It's at 12 o'clock on all of our campuses, childcare, lunch is provided. I'm telling you folks, we have an opportunity like never before to change our world. Love to see you at Engage. 
You don't have to sign up. You can just show up. But if you are potentially going there, let us know um, because we can be even better prepared to serve you. But hey, next week, we're starting a brand new series. If you think this series was challenging, wait till we see next week or we get to experience it together. See you next Sunday as we come together to take an oath to love our community like we've never loved before. We'll see you next week.